to positions of hopelessness and helplessness. The government gives them the drugs, builds bigger prisons, passes a three-strike law, and then wants us to sing God Bless America. No, no, no. now okay um happy spring break everyone um is that still happening spring break. it should be right this is around that time yeah i'm i'm recording live at venice beach <laughs> um okay all right sex episode sort of um I'm going to get to the movie, but I'm going to start at the mass shooting. Here we go. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to open with my explanation for all this. So I this is this episode is kind of a, a, a swirl of shit that all I all ended up connecting together. Um, stuff that was going around in my head while thinking about the shooting at the Atlanta spa. Um, so why... Why do this episode, okay? Uh, As everyone knows by now, I'm sure, this guy in Atlanta shot up a spa or massage parlor or however you want to say it. Um, He said two things. He said, he's quoted by a a journalist in like a Korean newspaper as having said, quote, I am going to kill all Asians, which is insanely straightforward huge task first of all yeah it's like also is he like bender from futurama what a weird way to phrase that um insert murder (laughs) and uh bender joke (laughs) classic the other thing he said is that he's a sex addict and that's sort of his like defense of all this is like oh you know this happened because i am going through the throes of sex addiction And, um, I thought this was really interesting because the discourse that sort of fell out from this over the last week has been, uh, largely about race, which I think is really odd. I, it's not that odd given that he did say, I'm going to kill all Asians, but, um, he also deliberately targeted these people because they were sex workers. And like, it's one of those things where like, the more you ask him, he he will tell you that like, this is not for like up for debate. So you know, I thought it was kind of interesting because there was this, like, discourse going back and forth on Twitter and stuff where people are saying, it's about sex work, it's about race, and it's, like, clearly about both. It's, like, not mutually exclusive at all, you know? Um, we haven't gotten to the part that's just about how we are all a society of psychopaths determined to cut, rip each other's throats out. <laughs> and then that boils over, like, every other day now. Yeah. Um... But what I do think is interesting is that, is that like the the like the lib narrative is kind of one hundred percent race at this point, and like very little uh, sex work solidarity, which I think happens for a couple of reasons. One is that that's a lot more complicated of an issue to get behind for a lot of people. Um, it's kind of a third rail, you know. Um, but also, the third be- rail is the penis. <laughs> <laughs> It's uh, it's ideologically a worker's issue, which we know does not play well in the media, right? Um, so it's weird because we're kind of playing up the bigotry that lives in this guy's head, which 
does clearly exist, but not like the systemic shit that even if you want to talk about race, I mean, there's systemic shit. Why are so many immigrants, you know, working in sex work and stuff like that? Um, you know, or how capitalism creates disposable people. When you read about like serial killers, you read about them targeting, um, sex workers because the, the term is the less dead is how they refer to it. Like in the, you know, the industry or whatever, huh. the industry, the fucking, uh, whatever <laughs> true, the uh, true crime shit. The, the compromises people take to get to the top of the serial killer industry. makes you just wonder why they're getting in, in the first place. You know, <laughs> I think, um, what's his name? The green river killers at Ed Kemper or Gary Ridgway. I can't remember which one. Um, there were, there were, there on. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> there have been serial killers who are like really similar to what this guy did. Like they're saying, like they've managed to work themselves into a situation where they're convinced that they're doing something on behalf of like God, um, because of all this like temptation and stuff. Um, he also, this guy fucking also said he was going to kill himself, and then he changed his mind and decided that killing sex workers would be a better, like, idea, like a moral good for the world. Um, because all of this was premised on his views on the evils of temptation, right? So he was a member of a small Baptist church, and uh, he was deeply involved in purity culture. So he was enrolled in a sex addiction program at an evangelical addiction clinic called Hope Quest. They all, all these things have hilarious <laughs> names. <laughs> um, they didn't. They didn't. It's a sex addiction center that does not play into <laughs> into the sex part at all with the name. They're just like leave that over there. It's unrelated. <laughs> We're Hope Quest. <laughs> yeah. Well, Hope Quest is. As I looked up their website, it is like um, they also tr treat like gambling addictions and um, a, a few other things like drug and alcohol stuff, and then just like. There's just a lot of weird self-help stuff going on. There's a list of, like, recommended readings, and it goes through a few, you know, oh, you gambled too much, oh, you're a sex addict. One of them is, like, it's just about boundaries with your adult children. It's just weird shit for uh -huh. isolated Christian people, right? Um, but this is important because the evangelical view of sex addiction is all based around invasive thoughts and how they cause a person to violate the sacred bonds of marriage. So they, they sort of conceive of this as like, are you having thoughts that are, uh, you can't get rid of them. And the, it's, you know, it's, it's sort of, it's a problem because we are operating on the assumption that the only time sex is supposed to happen is between a man and a woman who are married. So if you have like a young single guy, he's just not supposed to ever think about sex. Right. Are you having thoughts about fucking thoughts? <laughs> yeah, probably. As a married man in the room, I have to say that's right, Jake. It's <laughs> the only time it's okay to have sex. What was it like not busting until you were like 27 or 28 or whatever? You feel a lot of pressure. You feel <laughs> a lot of pressure all the time. Mm. What was it like the first time you busted? It's pretty good, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So like getting barbecue or something. <laughs> <laughs> this uh, all this cycle causes you know shame and repression, and it causes it obviously to swell up and come out in weird ways. And th this is all within the language of like this website, HopeQuest. They talk about this. They're like, yeah, no, it's a uh, you know, you, don't you feel shameful about this? Yeah, yeah. It's just that it's like they're just they're kind of assigning everything into this de deliberate framework of like yeah that sucks it sucks that you feel that way because the only time you're allowed to have sex is when you're married to a woman 
Um, so, you know, the answer to this is not develop a healthy sexuality or, you know, anything like that. It's, uh, to just go to therapy and have Mike Pence yell at you and like there's <laughs> self-help books. It's the, uh, the, the, uh, elf commander on the walls at Helm's Deep that's going, hold, hold. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's the boat's cr- getting so heavy and you're so old, but you have to wait or the orcs will overtake you. Right. I mean, I will say I did manage to make it uh, through chastity till till 21, um, which is uh, not until I can drink, he used to say. Yeah, it was no easy feat. (laughs) Uh, But then uh, sorcery really did me in. I lost my virginity to a Scientologist, as uh, real heads know. Uh, And she must have used some some fucking spells because I never would have been tempted otherwise. Oh, it appears you've bewitched me. You've done the Xenu to my dick. <laughs> You're a suppressive person. So <laughs> so this guy is involved in, uh, he's in a very small church called the Krabappel Baptist no, Church. what? Yeah, like Edna Krabappel from the Simpsons. No way. I guess, Wait, but her name is a play on Crabapple. Well, is it Crabapple? I mean, it's spelled the same. I don't know how it's pronounced. Maybe I, that's just me being a Simpsons fan. So I guess it's Crabapple. Well, why would they? That's even worse. <laughs> I don't know. Um, I don't know why they're called that. <laughs> one of the, that's one of the funniest Simpsons jokes is, is one day Bart is like, hey, Miss Crabapple, and everyone's like, <gasps> How did I never? Th- or no, it's some o- someone other than Bart. And he's like, "How did I never think of that?" Right. <laughs> um, I guess she's from like the South. I don't know. Uh, we don't have time to go into it. So, <laughs> anyway, this guy is coming from this culture of like, um, you know, he's his parents kicked him out of the house because they said that he was like watching too much porn. He's probably he's what is he like twenty two or some shit? He's like a lunatic. Like he's you know. You're horny when you're that age, and uh, the system is this is unhealthy. So I'm saying, um, so he's involved in all this like far right evangelical stuff, right? Um, not to also not to excuse what he did. I'm just trying to understand kind of what's happening here. I think, and a lot of it I think has to do with this evangelical shit. So that's the kind of the crux of what's going on here. The kind of thought, uh, let's see. So this kind of thought is part of a large project by evangelicals that were behind SESTA-FOSTA, War Against Sex Work, uh, which we've discussed a lot on the show. If you're not familiar, um, there was this bill that basically, you know, did a lot of damage to the sex work industry, but it disguised itself as being like feminist and, uh, you know, we're going to fight human trafficking. Human trafficking is the big fucking dog whistle or whatever uh, that they use to you know, to, to, to basically rebrand a movement that is uh, against, like, you know, women's liberation and all this sort of stuff. Back in the 60s, all this stuff would have been called something else, and then it, people started to get turned off by Christian fundamentalism, so it rebranded as, like, uh, you know, this is, we're fighting human trafficking, and we love, this is for women to be free from the, you know, this human trafficking threat or whatever. Um so the, I, I became really interested in all this when I kind of noticed that there was this evangelical Christian fundamentalist, like, dark money that went into this Bill Sesta-Fosta a few years ago yeah. that presented itself as very liberal, like Amy Schumer and Seth Meyers and, like, I think the guy from Breaking Bad, like, the Hank was in a commercial. Um, <laughs> it was fucking weird. The guy who plays Hank is very represented in this movie we watched, by the way. A lot of dudes looking like him. Yeah. So... Um, I became very kind of 
uh, fixated on this. Like, is there something really interesting going on? Uh, all this stuff that a few, the 10, 20 years ago, we would have recognized as creepy, like, fundamentalist, Christian, you know, uh, misogynist, like, patriarchal stuff is now rebranding in a way that's, like, getting one over. And so, you know, they kind of won this war against sex work, at least for the time being, by passing SESTA-FOSTA. Um, and all of these groups and, like, organizations that... Um, funneled money into the passing of SESTA-FOSTA, they sort of moved on after that to a second project, which is fighting porn and fighting um, what's just referred to as hookup culture in their own nomenclature. That's right, Jake. <laughs> well, before, we, before we get to that, because uh, that's kind of what this movie's about, so I want to talk a little bit about the groups, because I did some uh, some sleuthing around the, the dark money that goes into... Um, these seedy, deceptive, you know, political actions. Um, so SESTA-FOSTA and then also like this bill of uh, this movie that we're talking about today, they're funded by groups like, uh, there's a group called like Shared Hope International. There's a group called Polaris, which has like huge funding, just Amazon, Uber, fucking Delta Airlines, all this crazy shit goes nice. through Pol- Polaris. Um, the name of some like evil syndicate in, in like an action movie or something? Probably. It's the North Star. We're thinking of the okay. North Star. That's why they call themselves Polaris, because they're like the North Star is how you guide yourself out of mm. the darkness Look, or whatever. Polaris has never busted. <laughs> why do you have to bust? <laughs> it's also uh, the name of the band that played the theme song to Pete and Pete. Remember that show? Fucking Whoa. banger theme song. Hey, Sandy. That's huge. Um there's also a group I found called Operation Underground Railroad that's run by an ex-DHS officer who said he quit Homeland Security because, like, the bureaucracy of the Department of Homeland Security was impeding on his personal war against, like, human trafficking. So he went, like, rogue cop. And uh, he's, he's basically his whole thing is cosplaying as an abolitionist. His entire website is just covered in, like, Frederick Douglass and shit. And, uh, what? He's taught is the whole website is basically about how like um fucking the the fight against sex trafficking is the modern version of you know the underground railroad. Sure, um, totally. <laughs> and, the uh, economy was built on yeah on handies. Right in America, <laughs> like if you understand what was going on that led to slavery and then a- abolition this this makes no sense as a comparison there's not an economy based on like this supposed all these fucking black and white photos of children that they just stole from stock footage that are you know oh my god look at them they're so sad it's crazy it's easy to mock until you realize the founding fathers of this country are also the evil guys from taken <laughs> mm. Oh yeah, <laughs> the just weird like middle Saudi royalty guys. Yeah, Taken has ruined our discourse. I think that movie has hurt us. <laughs> really, man. No, I don't know. So, uh, Underground Railroad webs or the uh, Operation Underground Railroad website is really interesting because it has listed like all these operations. So the thing that this guy does is he claims that he's like he uses like. Uh, a combination of his training as a Homeland Security agent and just like reading about like John Brown and shit to, uh, to, to, <laughs> to these operations, uh, where he just like goes to some country and then rescues a bunch of children. as like a he brings all 10 of his sons yeah. and together. They just start grabbing women so, and figure out which ones are free. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> so he just has a bunch of the operations listed on his website, like a fucking. It looks like you're playing like Call of Duty or something. It's like a scoreboard. Operation Riverbank, Cambodia. Operation Duo, Lima, Peru. Second Chance, Guatemala. Miracle Follow Up, Mexico. Zero rescued, three arrested. <laughs> um, this is another good one. Uh, Praying Manta. There's another one called just called November Rain that happened in Arizona. Uh, <laughs> Can I ask a follow-up question? So is he like going to other countries and arresting people like on his own? <laughs> yeah. Can you do that? <laughs> Dude, there's there's so much like I found and kind of reading about this. There's just, I don't know. It would take an entire other like podcast to even figure out the ins and outs of what this even means. But yeah, I, I think that's what he's saying is that he's just because he's not in the government anymore. I think he just personally arrested a bunch of people, or he like Does he kill them. I think he works with like law enforcement. Is the language in a lot of these is like we work with law enforcement we're training them or whatever um he also (laughs) this this sounds very suspect to me uh he went to thailand to do operation iceman one rescued one arrested (laughs) oh no (laughs) a lot of people are doing operation iceman yeah (laughs) it needs to stop but he has another one in Haiti called Operation Toussaint. So, like, he's into the, oh my God. the Haitian Revolution and shit. He's bread tubed. Yeah. <laughs> it's really fucking weird. Um, and also, he works very closely with Mormons. There's, like, a lot of Mormons in this, mm. <laughs> in this organization. Oh, yeah. And <laughs> great. Great anti-bondage, uh, sexual bondage organization, the Mormon Church. Yeah. That's a cheeky way of saying the CIA, I work with Mormons. Right. Well, here's the other thing, though. Uh, this is kind of the kicker with Operation Underground Railroad is uh, they have tons of support from QAnon. <laughs> like oh, QAnon okay. supporters. Because the whole thing is, you know, that they think that there's this fuck. They're peddling this idea, this, like, un- intangible concept of, like, human trafficking, right? Which we've talked about a lot of the show. Mm-hmm. Fucking ICE does it. All these organizations do it. It's an unquantifiable thing. And everybody just agrees that it's evil enough that, like, it's a placeholder. Like, it's not real. You know, they're using it to draw up support for something else. You're either anti-pedophilia or pro-pedophilia. Right. It's like that. You can fucking sell anything if you're like, you have to buy my uh, ice cream. Are you a pedophile? Because it's it's not for pedophiles. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) We can tell because you'll eat it and then throw up if you're a pedophile. Yeah. (laughs) Even if you're lactose intolerant, if you're not a pedophile, you can digest it. By the way, Patreon listeners, you have to tell your friends that if – that you have to sign up for the Patreon if you're not a pedophile. If you're not a pedophile, That's what the P is for. Yeah. And – it's for not pedophile. We're gonna circle back on that. No, well, one. it's okay. It's it's you. Everyone has a certain amount of uh, things with uh, P in their life that they can commit to, and it's either pedophilia or Patreon. Okay. Pedophiles <laughs> are trespassing. Re- oh, I can do this <laughs> really easy, really easily on national soil. Whoa! Wow! You did say Patreons, but I like it. I'm gonna start calling it that. Please sign up for my Patreons. Sign up for my Patreons. Support <laughs> artists in America. <laughs> um, but you see, I mean, that's basically what's kind of going on here. Is that like that placeholder works really well politically because I mean, like, yeah, if you're trying to sell anything and you tell people what I'm doing. 
is fighting this thing that everyone agrees that is fucking evil, but is impossible to really put under a microscope, then yeah, of course people are going to support your fucking thing. Right. Right. I mean, it's, I do think Bernie should have, I was disappointed when he voted for Sesta Fosta, but I'm just imagining like if he had voted against it in the debates, they would have been like, Bernie, why do you support sex trafficking? Yeah, that's exactly what they would have done. Yeah. I want to capture a woman. (laughs) One just for daddy. (laughs) I'm going to hunt her like an ex- uh, episode of Law and Order SVU. <laughs> okay. Uh, Aha! My quarry bristles. <laughs> the hunt hath begun. There are a few other organizations that I found. Like, there's this one called Sold No More that's just like, it's just it's so obvious. They, they, they used to be crisis pregnancy centers, abstinence only education, and suddenly they switched to human trafficking right around the same time as all these other fucking people. Um, they switched to that being like their, their, their banner kind of issue, right? Um, there's another one called the International House of Prayer Kansas City or IHOP KC, right? Uh, <laughs> They have this 24-hour prayer room they're really, like, famous for. It's just like a rave. It never ends. Constantly evangelical prayer happening in it. Um, Patreon goal. 24-hour prayer room. (laughs) (laughs) How about 24-hour player room? You know what I'm saying? Hell yeah. That's where I'm just gaming in it, not fucking at all. (laughs) Okay. IHOP KC is just riddled with like abuse lawsuits, sexual scandals, you know, of course, you know, church stuff. We're all familiar with it. Um, they got sued by the actual International House of Pancakes for the name. Ah! <laughs> nice. Easily avoidable flaw there. <laughs> <laughs> they're, uh, they're run by this guy named Mike Bickle who just yells about like demons and shit. Uh, he said, I'm reading from an article that I'll link. He said that Trump's critics are engaged in a quote, demonic attack coming against the word of God and that homosexuality opens the door to the demonic realm. Bickle has also preached that that in the end times, God will raise up a hunter to kill Jews who reject Christian belief. And the most famous hunter in recent history is a man named Adolf Hitler. Though Bickle has advanced the idea that Supreme Court rulings in favor of abortion rights and marriage equality will evoke the wrath of God, IHOP KC also claimed that it's not political and not involved in U.S. politics. What? What? What Bickle is this Hunter's like lore happening? Is this a Dead Sea Scroll? Yeah, I've never heard of that before. Bickle is that his real name? Yeah, Did he like fuck. watch Taxi Driver and like unironically say like Yes, that is my role model. It's crazy. He's fucking Travis Bickle, but for I mean, it's maybe kind of the same guy. Like it's fucking yeah. bananas. Um, and it's so crazy because like, okay, so most of them, you'll notice that like a lot of what happens here, like in the organization that I'm going to talk to, talk about mostly this one called Exodus Cry, like one of the, the guy who owns Exodus Cry, uh, fucking, he has old tweets that are like homophobic, but he's been called Top out on your Metal Gear solid name, by the way. Oh yeah. I'm going to get to that in a minute. But like he, he says now like, oh, I've, you know, I've evolved and I don't think that anymore, yada, yada, yada. And if you fucking ask him questions about it, he's still very dodgy. But you'll notice that there's like an upgrading, uh, a rebranding that sort of goes on in these organizations that, you know, they're trying to get stuff under the radar, right? So with uh, IHOP KC, 
So this this group Exodus Cry came out of IHOPKC. It's like a side project or whatever, birthed its own fucking thing. It's uh, IHOPKC is at the drive-in. Exodus Cry is Mars Volta. Like it turned into the the second. I understand phase of it immediately. I get it. And I think the reason they did it is because like IHOPKC does not evolve. Like it's still old fire and brimstone. And the, I mean, anti-Semitism is a thing that like. Most of these people have long moved past openly talking about, right? But the IHOPKC guy is still just yelling about, like, the greatest hunter in history is named Adolf Hitler. <laughs> it's fucking crazy, right? So let's talk about I, uh, Exodus Cry. This is this the reason I, I kind of started reading about all this, because I, I just remembered reading about this organization, and I was like, they're named, like, a Final Fantasy game. This is crazy. Uh, <laughs> Ask yourself, what is Exodus Cry? <laughs> <laughs> what an <The> ins- Patriots! <laughs> <laughs> like, what, what an insane brand to put on your like Christian kind of sneaky, you know, dark money group or whatever. Um, but they don't give a shit. Uh, <laughs> they're they're very into being called Exodus Cry. By the way, all these groups are tax exempt. That's another thing that's going on here. Um, and they're all just like mobbing up all these politicians. There's a guy in one of their, on one of their websites I was watching, uh, Sean Reyes, the Utah attorney general. He was, this is a quote from something he was saying in support of one of these organizations. He said, there is more modern day slavery going on today than any time in human history. Think about that sentence for a minute. It doesn't make any fucking sense. If it's modern day slavery, how would there not be any more going on now? If it's, you know what I mean? Like, uh, slavery. (laughs) <laughs> he's talking about this fucking made up human trafficking shit and like yeah no it's what do you mean like <laughs> yeah wage slavery that's a much better argument wage slavery I mean even if you were going to be really generous with him and be like okay so the actual human trafficking that really exists where people are in Thailand or whatever there's no way there's more of that now than when there was like a tier one empire building industry based off of normal chattel slavery. Yeah. We'd all just talked about it and shit. What do you <laughs> Impossible. Mean? Well, I bet it's one of those things where you can kind of stretch it and be like, well, people are enslaved by their minds with uh, promiscuity and sex drive and stuff. Yeah. You'd have to. My friend <laughs> yeah. uh, Andrew Taven had this joke about uh, going to a. Uh, uh, it's not Sunday school. It's like Jewish Sunday school or whatever. And they they have all these conservative preachers there, and they tell them that more Jews have been lost to uh, 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 Western culture than in the Holocaust. And then the whole Hello? joke is like, what does the word "lost" mean in that sentence? <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, that is really kind of what's going on with this like quote unquote term like human trafficking, because you know what they're doing most of the time is. Uh, they're taking things like consexual sex work and then, I mean, I like fucking Homeland Security does the work for them of just writing that down in the data as human trafficking. And, you know, it all, once you've stopped defining the term really, really definitely, you know, of course, everyone's free to just use it however they want, right? Um, so a lot of this stuff gets laundered through, like, um, there's this New York Times writer, Nick Kristoff, who's been mm-hmm. sort of pushing mm-hmm. this shit for the last 10 to 15 years. Um, and I pulled a lot of this information from a really good Melissa Gear Grant article that she wrote about him and kind of the trajectory of all this stuff. But um, Exodus Cry is a dominionist, uh, which we've talked about with the the green. Remember the Green Dragon, the anti uh, <laughs> green movement people. Say no more. Um, dominionist. Also, Ted Cruz's father is a dominionist. 
Dave Anthony and killed Kennedy on the show, and he killed Kennedy. <laughs> Dominionists believe that uh, God has called conservative Christians to exercise dominion over society by taking control of political and cultural institutions. Um, Exodus cries anti-LGBT, anti-abortion, anti-Semitic, all the stuff that we were just talking about, although they brand like they're not. Um, Do they have any like funny exceptions where they're like anti-gamer culture or anything fun in there, anything spicy? Well, it's what's funny is, I mean, one of these groups, I was looking at their website and their first thing, I can't remember which group it was specifically, but their first thing was like, we got to get cops to stop raping these like sex workers and it's like yeah i agree with that like cool a hundred percent but then because it's dangerous for cops right it's like fucking god the second part (laughs) um so exodus cry is headed up by this guy benjamin nollett who pivoted to human trafficking in 2007 they used to be about something else you'll notice all these groups there's a moment where they all realize human trafficking is the thing right um, Around the same time, Facebook pivoted to video. <laughs> <laughs> On its website, Exodus Cry says it was birthed out of prayer in Missouri, where it had been closely linked to the International House of Prayer, Kansas City, a growing charismatic Christian movement whose founder, Mike Bickle, said that homosexuality was uh, the door of the demonic realm. I already talked about that. Uh, and then they made this fucking movie. So they made this movie, uh, which we watched. It's on Netflix. It's called Liberated, colon, The New Sexual Revolution. It was directed by Benjamin Nollett, who gave a talk at IHOPKC about purity in a pornified world in which he referenced the lust of Satan and warned, we are in a dark hour of sexual turbulence across the planet, but God has promised we will have a bride without spot or blemish. All of this shit just sounds like Diablo or like Dark Souls or something. It's just very dramatic. It's like a pornified Dark Souls, I would call it. <laughs> yeah. It's like Dark Souls if you're fighting like, um, I guess in his head, the imagined thing he's fighting, he's fighting like um, strippers or something. I'm not really sure. It's weird. Like instead of demons. It's like if Sekiro was simulated. <laughs> um, so Exodus Cry is a crazy fucking bullshit organization. They charge $2,295 for a five-day course teaching people to, quote, become a powerful force to help abolish commercial sexual exploitation. Uh, no idea what it entails. Is it like a Goku kind of thing? You get, like, charged Hands up. up. <laughs> Give me your energy. We're going to abolish sex. Yeah, this, Let's do this. Spirit bomb. <laughs> I mean, Goku doesn't fuck, so maybe. That makes sense. He doesn't? Isn't that a he thing? That's why he's so this mad. This is a hotly contested uh, portion of the Ball and Super Universe. But here's the fact Goku has had sex at least twice. He has two children. But it is revealed to Dragon Ball Super there is a throwaway joke where he claims he does not know what kissing is. Meaning, he only hits it from the back, or <laughs> Chi-Chi is date-raping her husband, which is also very popular. Or artificial insemination. Maybe he did it into a tube, and then voila. That just seems so beyond his capacities, but I do. <laughs> it is another possibility we can't rule out. Yeah, fair. Um, anyways... Uh, to round this out a little bit, um, yeah, so like I said, like, you know, these people are, these organizations are all part of this sort of evangelical movement, um, that's moved on kind of past their main thing being, you know, sex work to, uh, pornography, and an example of that is like, so a lot of these 
groups are sort of waging this war against Pornhub, which is really interesting because uh, sex workers... It's the hub. <laughs> we have to get them at the hub. Yeah. It's the fucking brain bug. There's a red tube. If we can target it, we'll take them all down. <laughs> Well, it's interesting. So Melissa Garrett Grant wrote a really interesting piece about it, how it's like uh, it's that's not actually against the uh, for once. It's not actually against the interests of sex workers. It's just that uh, it's against Pornhub. They're, por- the evangelicals and sex workers are against Pornhub for like different reasons. Um, obviously, the evangelicals just want to eradicate the entire industry and then eradicate the workforce. Uh, and sex workers are against it because it's a monopoly. So it's just. Mm. Uh, taking up all the fucking work and exploiting hard, right? I tried to start an XXX hamster out of my garage (laughs) and it all got siphoned away into the hub. They took the hamster. Honestly, this should have been one of Bernie's talking points. It's like, you know, the mom and pop porn shops of (laughs) years gone by. (laughs) I would break up Pornhub. Anyone who sells dildos 40 hours a week in this country deserves health insurance. (laughs) (laughs) Only people who sell dildos 40 hours a week. Um, So... Anyway, there are there. This is new. They've moved past. I think some of these more material uh, crusades, and what one of their new things is just a cultural like crusade against what they're referring to as hookup culture. Yeah. And that's why Exodus Cry made this movie. Right. And that it it's weird because it's like they accidentally kind of made Spring Breakers. Like it has like a very similar Spring Break uh like premise uh regarding like Christianity and stuff. And well I mean the the th- really telling thing to me was in the movie there's no mention of God, no mention of Jesus, no mention of Christianity. Yeah. Uh, well, this goes on to what Jake was saying earlier, and this is a pervasive uh, uh, movement across the right in general in the last like five years. Is they're getting hip to the fact that the old Christian playbook of like stop touching yourself, you'll burn, isn't working anymore. So they adapt all this liberal uh, uh, vocabulary and shift their talking points into something we're already talking about, which is rape culture. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, we can have a full conversation with them without realizing they're selling you a Bible. Well, it's, it's interesting because I remember in the mid-2000s, there was this chastity craze with right the, the promise rings. Uh, and I remember going to a party when I was 16, and it was like at this Victorian house in St. Paul. And uh, it was just like dozens of beautiful Christian teenagers with like the like emo haircuts, wearing yeah. like cardigans, like extremely hip. Uh, and then like you realize that most of them are take, make, making these promise ring things. And ironically, I didn't, you know, I never got a promise ring, but I probably lasted way longer than any of them did. Yeah. You know, because like and they said. they tried to get him to make it. He said, no promises. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to leave here and what happens happens. Yeah, I'm going to break some promises. <laughs> you know what I'm <laughs> but, it, but it's because like they tell you to wait till marriage. But if you don't wait for till marriage, they don't want you to use condoms, which is just insane. So like. Because they don't want to give kids a false sense of security with condoms because they always stress like, oh, you're still going to get herpes and you they sometimes they don't work or whatever. So you're just setting up, uh, you know, the spread of STDs and unwanted pregnancy and shit like that. Because most – it's just not natural for people to to preserve their bodies till marriage or to like not get to know somebody fully before you make a commitment to them. It's just kind of a not – 
something humans are meant to do. Yeah, I mean, what I, they're what they're really doing is causing getting these kids into edging, which only makes yeah. them hornier. And I mean, like, <laughs> it just fucking historically does not work. All of these churches are just riddled with like you know these people with like this pent up sexual energy that comes out in all these unhealthy ways and stuff like that, and like. You know, uh, fucking normally it's, yeah, these kids you're talking about who like, oh, yeah, they eventually they just fuck or whatever. Or like, you know, there's all these jokes about like people in Catholic school that like fuck in the ass because there's no God in there and shit. And like, you know, that sort of stuff's funny. But this guy, this mass shooter guy is like, this is the part that's not funny. This is a person who yeah. probably wasn't really healthy to begin with. And then you pushed this, un, you know, this just archaic fucking like standard onto the guy. And, uh, you know, it's a fucking time bomb, you know? There's Uh, the second half, too, of the argument that these people are pushing, which is not all the, like, uh, sex is bad and it taints your soul part of it. I mean, that's their, you know, tier one agenda. That's what you get on the outside. But then the second half is, and then if you do do those things, you are deserving of punishment. That's the part that Christians get very on board with. Watching this movie was very triggering to me after going to Christian school, by the Ooh. way. It really pissed me off. <laughs> well, let's talk about this movie. So it's it's fucking crazy. So the first thing I noticed about it is, like, I sat down to watch this because I was like, oh, my God, this Dominionist group made a movie. It's going to be funny because what we do with podcasts a lot of times is watch them miss the mark and really fuck up and make hilariously bad, you know, content. But it's, like, really well shot, and I honestly, I understand why a lot of people fell for it, because I think there's this, like, cottage industry now of, like, if you want to make a thing, there now are just directors you can go to who are like, I will make you a thing that looks like a prestige like heady intellectual Netflix documentary. There's drone shots. There's like editing. It's really serious. I mean, it's a really dreamlike, like eerie view of the camera going around the spring break crowd and stuff like that. And so like, uh, some celebrities got behind it, but like, for example, you know, I was making fun of like Amy Schumer for getting in front of the Sesta Fosta thing. Melissa McCarthy, uh, was like a proponent of this movie, but then she figured out that it's fucking funded by dark money from uh, evangelicals and she went back on it. So, like, pretty cool. Good for her. Um, but you can see how she got tricked, you know, because it doesn't yeah. say it's about Jesus. It just kind of right. says that it's like, oh, we're like a weird vice documentary. We're just talking about, like, the universe and the soul and stuff like that. Yeah, and you're watching the movie, too. And the women in the movie are like, yeah, we're going to spring break and it's like rape beach out here. Someone <laughs> should do something. And you're like, that's a very valid point. And then right. you see who made the movie. And you're like, ah, fuck you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, and it's like, you know, I mean, really, fucking, that's, that's kind of like what's going on here. You know, we always talk about like uh, liberals kind of uh, affecting woke stuff and like abusing, um, you know, the, the hard fought sort of terminology and stuff of uh, activists, but like conservatives will do it too. Everyone just, uh, what do you call it? Appropriates this like language and stuff to try to get their evil shit across. So, you know, I mean, point, point one for anti woke shit, I guess here, I guess this like just always be, um, I don't know, on the lookout for this sort of stuff. I don't know. I'm getting at, uh, but so let's be selling <laughs> this movie. Um, it starts off with, <laughs> I said, I did think it was very funny cause I had like square Enix on the brain while I was thinking about all this stuff. And then the movie basically starts off the way that kingdom hearts starts off, which is just a bunch of children running around on a yeah. beach. <laughs> <laughs> that was so weird. <laughs> It's like, yeah, just it's bookends. There's no yeah. update with the kid throughout the movie. It's just like, it, no, it's they had really a longer strange. version. 
They had a longer version. They took off Netflix where the heartless attack, <laughs> but it just became really unwieldy as to what the message was after that. Yeah, it's uh, well, I mean, it's kind of like Kingdom Hearts in that it doesn't make any fucking sense. It's like <laughs> you have to play the Game Boy Advance uh, liberated to understand what happens in between <laughs> the plot. Well, it's strange because it's like the narrator who we all, we don't see very much throughout the movie, but you do see him in like one scene where he's like, "You don't even know this girl." Are you sure you want to have sexual intercourse with her? <laughs> you guys just met. Uh, and, like, that's it. And then from that, that's it in the, like, in Media Res in the movie. But at the beginning, is there's, like, a vision of him as a little blonde kid running around. And he's like, when I was a child, things were so simple. Oh, yeah, I forgot that was him. Yeah. And then at the end, it shows him again. And it's right after someone, uh, a pastor or someone has told a story about, a, a kid in high school who like doesn't want to date and he's being pressured to date uh, and he doesn't want to because he says I want to be a kid as long as I can yeah. and then like the closing shots of the movie are the little blonde kid continuing to be a kid and run around and it's like this sort of I guess infantilizing message that we should perpetually stay children and that there's something like dirty and wrong about your body and libido developing. Yeah, it's very like Peter Pan, Michael Jackson, yeah. like just stay a kid forever. Uh, Before we get too far, I do have to say the Game Boy Advance Liberated is called Chain of Memories. <laughs> <laughs> very um, good. Very well done, uh, Mr. Patak. Thank you. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to make a lot of money in the Kingdom Hearts circuit. Uh, <laughs> I think if I had to boil this movie down, and this is why I was so impressed, Jake, that you you had watched Spring Breakers this week and were pairing it up, is this movie, to me, reminded me a lot of the movie Kids, yeah. which you watch and is like, I can't believe these kids are doing this crazy shit. And this movie was just like, adults. Yeah. Just watching, like, I can't believe these adults are doing this crazy but shit. And that's, that's the movie. That's the thing, right? It's like fucking really similar, but there's a sneaky part that you're not seeing where it's a little bit twisted, right? And like this movie, I mean, the, the implication is that these are like young people who are like, yeah, why, why they're actually children, but they're being pressured into, uh, you know, doing all this raunchy adult like sex stuff by. You know, the unspoken, I guess, like, message of this movie is that it's a culture. There's a culture problem. we got to attack this culture. It's one of those fucking things. It's like when people talk yeah. about cancel culture or whatever. It's like, it's not a materialist argument. You're just like, there's, like, an evil out there, and we got to fucking do something against it, right? And uh, what's weird, though, is, like, so they follow these British guys around. This is the first section these of the movie. nasty lads. It's well, so the weird thing is, <laughs> it, The weird thing is, in the lower thirds, they say, students from Milwaukee. Yeah, but they're what? all like British. One claims to be Australian, but his <laughs> accent is British. It seemed to me. Well, I think a lot of what's happening. About to finger a bird. <laughs> <laughs> I think a lot of what's happening is the documentarian does not understand that some of the people he's interviewing are making fun of him. So, like a guy with a clearly British accent is, he's like, "Where, where are you from?" And he's like, "Oh, mate, uh, Milwaukee, huh?" You know. <laughs> <laughs> they're just fucking having a great time with this weird ass Christian documentarian they came across while on this uh, spring break thing. But I was going to say to your point about this being adults. Um, yeah, the whole time the premise of this film is like, well, you know, these people are young and they're in college and they don't know what they're doing and stuff. 
And then they're interviewing one of these British guys later in the movie, and they go, like, how old are you? And he's like, oh, well, I'm 23 now. And it's like, you're 23? This is an adult. Who gives a shit? <laughs> <laughs> he talks about how sex is weird. You're supposed to feel weird about it. Also, the movie really drops off on this after the first half hour, but the, when they just stick to, like, British boys for that section of the movie, you have to wonder, like, how useful is all this testimony from just fucking shit-faced adults were. Because <laughs> right. none of them are sober. <laughs> I do think it's really funny, though, also, that the, when the guy said he was 23, I laughed really hard, because I was like, wait a minute, what are you doing at spring break? You were supposed to graduate last year. <laughs> so, he has really good spring breaks. They let you go for longer. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, maybe he just fucking hasn't graduated yet, but that's like... I mean, dude, I... What a, I, a friend of a friend in Minnesota, not my friend, but one of these dipshits from a small town in Minnesota, uh, like took seven years through to go to graduate from North Dakota State University, eventually got a degree in political science and is now like uh, the head of some town council, some township <laughs> in suburban Minnesota. Like that is a big part of the country and like the Republican, like, Oh, I mean, sure. I, you know, yeah. I mean, I fucking went to, I staggered, I eventually did not graduate, but I went to college over the course of like fucking five years or something like that. Like, yeah, I, but you were like working jobs and like living and doing other stuff. Like this guy was just in a frat. For yeah. Seven. Okay. It was a Van Wilder situation. That's Van Wilder. This is yeah. what I'm saying. It's funny, funny about it. Cause like th- this guy, it's, if you're 23, you also, hold on. First of all, if you're 23 in America, you're allowed to drink. If you're British, you're allowed to drink when you're 18. The whole point of spring break is that you can't drink in your home state, so you go to fucking Mexico and, like, uh, South Padre Island or whatever, where the yeah. drinking age is 18. Canada. So it's really weird <laughs> that this guy was here, but it was, you know, who gives a shit? I mean, he, I guess he was just into the fucking spring break thing, which is stupid. And a, a big part of this... Um, this documentary is kind of like I don't think it understands that it is uh, it's it's exploring a world that we all agree is pretty fucking terrible and stupid. Mm-hmm. It's just that it's presenting it as a like a, a slice of a sample of the world. Like everything's like this. It's like no, this is this is rich like shitty college kid frat culture. Could right. you imagine if every place was like like Cabo <laughs> San Lucas in spring break? Yeah. <laughs> How would anybody get anything done? <laughs> yeah, just everywhere you went, everyone was ripping. People their... just trying to rip your clothes off because they've been drinking since eight in the morning. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. The funny thing, like they try to make it look like this is a new phenomenon it's like back in the good old days uh this didn't happen uh, aladdin alas got to know each other yeah and then they they made whoopee after tying the knot and like that's not that's never been true that's the way it was presented in media uh there is a nod to like the free love movement and according to i'm was kind of surprised they left this in the movie but according to one girl she was like we've kind of taken a step back from that because that was about like equality uh, and that, I mean, I wasn't around for that, obviously, but I think that's kind of, <laughs> kind of true, you know, like the, this is not new hookup culture is not new. The problem is not sex and sex drives. It, it's patriarchy. It's the same problem that right. these people, that that's the problem with their institutions and their churches is this is just transferred to a more, uh, promiscuous environment. Like the and problem even on a is more superficial domination level, even on a more superficial level. I mean, who came up with spring break? 
That wasn't us. That shit's been around for like 50 years. Like, yeah. Baby boomers came up with spring break. <laughs> right. Okay. So to get to actually that woman Anders was talking about, we have to start here. The fucking dreadlocks guy is so funny. Yeah. <laughs> There's a white guy with dreadlocks and like big chunky run DMC hipster glasses. And he's just sort of like hanging out on the beach. And he kind of sees the documentary. He's like, yo, yo, come here. It's like this <laughs> shitty fratty guy. And uh, he's just like, what's your documentary about? Oh, you know, sex. Oh, you want to talk about sex, dude? Check this out. <laughs> and he's, yeah, he starts rubbing <laughs> his hands together. And he's just <laughs> like, oh, dude, check this out. They call me Mr. Sex. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I have so much sex. <laughs> he just starts like dragging the camera around with him and going like, dude, Okay, watch. He walks up to like two, you know, weird fucking college chicks, and he's like, "Give me a kiss on the cheek," eh? and she does it. He's like, looks at the camera, like, "It's that fucking easy, man. It's that easy." <laughs> he's so that's a, um, all right. There's number two to my favorite part of the movie, which is the guy later. I think they come up to him. They're like, "How do you pick up a girl?" And he's like, "I'll pick up any girl I want." And then he goes over to two girls on lawn chairs and is like, "Will you have sex with me?" And they're like, "No." And he's like, "I didn't do it." <laughs> Yeah. It's all on camera? That yeah. sucks, dude. He's, That's just on Netflix now. He signed a waiver. It's like he can't take it out of the documentary. But <laughs> <laughs> this fucking dreadlock guy. So he's like just hilarious and he's just going around like freak dancing with black girls and shit and just like uh you know, he's just fucking he's slapping women on the ass and stuff, and he's like this big stupid guy, right? But then later on in the movie it <laughs> It cuts to a scene with this woman that Andrews was talking about who actually had, like, some really interesting say stuff to say about this original 60s sexual revolution. But they're in, like, clearly, like, a hotel or an Airbnb or something nice. And she's – the whole time she's talking, next to him is the dreadlock guy. And he's wearing, like, a suit blazer now. And he's clearly trying to look smart because he's clearly trying to fuck this woman. And he's just been, like, hanging around the whole time. Yeah. <laughs> he's just like – now he's like, oh, that's, that's such an intellectual point you just made. <laughs> <laughs> There's no reason for him to be in the scene, except he's clearly just been pounding like Bud Light margaritas all day. And he's like, you just got to wear her down, dude. Just pretend like the smart stuff she's saying is smart. Oh, hold up, hold up. I, got, I have thoughts on John Maynard Keynes. <laughs> <laughs> but that thing that she was saying about the fucking um about the sexual revolution that's where they got like i guess the the title from like the premise for what they're trying to say which is that it's time for the second sexual revolution which is dot 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 like they don't really say they just the whole thing is just sort of like implying the second sexual revolution is that you cut this shit out like it doesn't really yeah. say what they're what what their prescription for it is, but we know from like researching and stuff that what they're actually trying to do is all this political influence. And yeah, that, that makes me wonder if what they were going for there by leaving that part in was to say that that's where things went wrong was the sixties and the sexual revolution. Maybe I, that I, was like the implication. I got the impression every time they talked about the past that there was like a nagging urge to do what these people love to do, which would be like, the second the French killed the king, it's all been downhill from there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I fucking maybe. I don't know. Um, but I also do think that explicitly, so the way that, what I'm kind of trying to get at, I guess, from talking about this is like, 
these people s- have explicitly stated through these organizations that they're what they're doing is like a two pronged thing, which is political power and the culture war. Like they literally believe that fighting the culture as they perceive it is a thing that will then like re- reverse engineer society, which you know we know to be bullshit as Marxists or whatever, right? Um, but, I mean, they literally have stated in all these interviews and stuff, these people also, you don't have to do that much research on them. They say everything. They say all the walking horrible stuff. Um, and they've, st- in that, like, Melissa Garrett Grant interview, um, one of the people, fucking Lord Micklethwaite, one of these evangelicals she talks about, is say, uh, she she's explaining her war on Pornhub in that uh, she thinks that if you stop pornography, like, if pornography doesn't exist, then, like, uh, human trafficking will stop. That's what she says, which is, uh, you know, I think that she, well, I guess that, that maybe is more of a material the price thing. we pay. Um, <laughs> but there's an argument that it's just like, yeah, th- this, the presence of all these like evil, you know, sexual feelings and stuff is just like causing the desire that then gets out of control. That then causes crime or whatever. It's fucking crazy. Right. Um, it's the classical conservative, uh, uh, perspective and you can tell that watching the movie they make it very clear like who this movie is for and who watches it because this must be off more than anything they jam so much fox news coverage into the beginning and end of this movie it's like you've watched 20 minutes of fox news <laughs> yeah um they also go through i think a lot of the stuff the culture stuff i'm talking about is kind of apparent when they get to like interviewing the women because what they do right before they interview these these uh these women that go on this like bikini contest or whatever is they start fucking showing clips of like wet ass pussy and stuff and they start kind of hammering that point and going like look you know i mean women get their idea of who to be through the tv box and cardi b's doing this so you know that's that's the problem here right beyonce comes up several times yeah, specifically beyonce it's really weird because it's 2017 there is no cardi b yet they have uh Anaconda Don't Want None. That's the Nicki Minaj song. I'm pushing the name of the song. I don't know Nicki Minaj's songs, but she's in it for a good amount because that's what was going on at the time. Yeah, I mean, and someone was making the point that, like, okay, it would be one thing if uh, we just saw these sexy images of women sometimes, but that's all all you see. And so women have no other option. And, and like, I'm certainly not suggesting that we don't live in a sexist society, but that that's not really true. There are a lot of, like, especially now that the media is so spread out and, and like, micro, like, targeted, whatever, there are a lot of other images of, of women and, you know, feminized people that you can look to and not, that are not sexualized, you know? It's like this old thing that Jordan Peterson likes to say where it's, like, the only reason women wear makeup. And so there's some feminists who say this too. The only reason women wear makeup is to just attract men and to, to mate with men. And it's just a, such a reductive way of looking at it. Like yeah. there's all, there's probably asexual people who wear makeup. It's a form of self-expression and it's, you know, Cardi B and Meg the stallion, like they're comfortable with their bodies and they're, they're doing their thing. It would be different. Some of the videos they show, uh, they, they showed were a bit more like, you know, I want to look nice for you, that type of thing. But in general, there's there's nothing wrong oh, you're, you're with women being horny. Uh, the Nickelodeon stars hit song "I Want to Look Nice for You" that they make you watch like forty five <laughs> yeah. seconds. Of. I had never, I had never seen that video. Barely I mean, a song. Yeah, 
Yeah. Well, you know, I mean, there is room for, like, cultural critique of this sort of stuff. But I think you're right to point out that uh, this stuff is not monoculture anymore. Like, I got this this feeling, really, fucking something happened to my lizard brain when I was watching this movie. It gave me, like, a really bizarre nostalgia because I was like, man, I fucking hate these people so much. Um, But also, like, I remember early in my life coming into contact with people like this, like when I was in college and stuff like that and immediately hating them and going like, fuck that shit. I didn't go to spring break. I stayed in town when spring break happened. I loved it. I was like, all the douchebags left, you know, you can hang out in the coffee shops and bars and stuff pretty easily now. And, uh, you know, the implication that this is the monoculture is, is the basis for, and we that's why we have to fight it, right? Because, like, this is the only fucking thing that is being crammed down people's throats or whatever. So, therefore, you need to let these, like, psycho Christian crusaders come in and, like, literally save the culture. But, I mean, like, I, I never... Like, I, I, I never fucking acted like this when I was, you know, even when I was, like... Um, at my most debased as a young man, I was, I understood consent and stuff like that. I was a fucking leftist kid. I was in the punk and stuff like that. You know, um, this is fratty, like privileged debauchery. And that, that has a whole other set of sources to it. You know, it's not right. You should be fighting that shit. Fight the fucking patriarchy. Yeah. There was a great, uh, I'm forgetting what college it was, but there was a problem, uh, as in probably most colleges in America with, with rape and, uh, the, president of the college the dean was like well uh the, the only way we're going to deal with this is the teens the students they got to stop their hookup culture they got to stop going to these parties with alcohol and you know having these late night uh sex sessions and, and promiscuity and all that stuff and the students they actually said no they were like fuck you we're gonna keep having sex you still need to take rape seriously. Like yeah. it's not an excuse to not uh, investigate and and to deal with with campus rape. I brought this up on the text, but the John Wilson episode about spring break is so much more effective at making not the same point these filmmakers are trying to make. But when you look at the the guys who are like the rapist frat bros on the beach, you're obviously like, well, I'm not on your side. But there there's a like very serious hole in the psychology of our culture that does exist there and it does refer to like how lonely and detached people feel and he has this whole interview with this spring break guy who's been drunk for like four weeks straight where he just talks about <laughs> how his friend just died it's really crazy you should watch that no, don't watch this movie by the love of god it sucks so bad yeah. Yeah. no but that's fucking that's it's it's perfect though it's a perfect pairing for this because yeah, that John Wilson interview, you get to the existential loneliness that leads to this sort of stuff. And that's what's really kind of on display here. That's I think why this movie bummed me out so hard. Is I was like, man, I remember like going to frat parties and stuff and like I mean I got I thrown out of them and shit when I was in college, but people would invite, invite me, you know, I'd go to like douchebag parties like this and like uh yeah, that weird feeling of like being like, do I belong here? Should I do something to make me belong here more? You know, uh, everyone in the room is going through that on some level. It's just that a lot of people are working through it probably. And, you know, this macho shit is expressing itself in all these ways. And yeah, fucking make a document. There's a reason that people got tricked into watching this and thinking it was good because they thought it was like a commentary on that. It's just that it's not. It's a winky, winky, subtly thing about something else. Right. And there are a lot of people, uh, like some of the people who were interviewed, who are not to talk out of school, but people like my mom who was raised Catholic 
and became a feminist during the 60s and 70s. And there was like a weird sort of sublimation there where a lot of the like repressive stuff you learn through Catholicism gets kind of transferred into specifically second wave feminism, where it's then this is where like the porn is bad stuff comes from, which like I there are problems with porn, obviously, but it's not just the fact of two people having sex. Like I remember having this weird revelation where like I I I didn't watch porn until like very recently. It was like in my late twenties when I even started watching porn. But I remember like being told you, you can't watch this. It's going to rot your mind and all this stuff. And then go, my mom brought me to a museum. It was like a Georgia O'Keeffe exhibit. And there's like pictures of her with her tits out and <laughs> pussy and ass. And it's like, why is this okay? But not the, yeah, like it's, it's just, if you make it artistic, it's okay to show nudity and sex. Like it, it's just, it's sort of arbitrary. Yeah. Just like going to the museum and jacking off to the Georgia O'Keeffe flowers. That's fun. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, there's a bunch of hilarious uh, douchebags that they interview in this, and you can tell through some of the interactions. Like, when they talk to those British guys, they get them in the moment, like, late at night when they're just in their room or whatever, and they start talking about how they lost their virginity, and they're all getting all emotional about it. One of the guys goes, can you cut this out of the documentary? And then you see them just shake their head and go, no, you signed the fucking waiver. <laughs> so, <laughs> Brutal. You know. So they, You're on Netflix, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> they share these fucking, you know, really vulnerable stories about like being pressured into you know fucking and all this stuff which is like a thing that happened sure um <clears throat> if they weren't drunk they would know they don't have to do to this fucking camera crew who's ruining their vacation <laughs> <laughs> one of the guys from this group like after i looked it up after it came out and got famous and stuff he then did a whole like 180 where he was like i um have since i'm sure his fucking parents pressured him into it or something but he's like uh you know fucking apologizing for all of his misogyny and stuff in the movie. I think he's probably the main guy that was like fucked like three women like in the course of the documentary or whatever. It wasn't the, the dreadlocks one? guy? Wasn't the what? The dreadlocks guy? I fucking, it'd be so funny if it was him. Actually, I don't know. Who knows? Uh, <laughs> so there's a couple other fucking funny things I wrote down. There's one guy that's just like, yo, you could fuck any type of chick you want. Black, Asian, Chinese. He says Asian and then Chinese. <laughs> um, <laughs> there's a, the motorboating guy. It's pretty funny. The guy who's just like hell bent on trying to get. He's hell bent on motorboating. And he's like, there's all these girls who are about to take their top off. And he's like, and we're going to motorboat you. And then they walk away. And it's like, you just shouldn't have said that part. <laughs> yeah. Why do they keep you around? There's a part like, where a guy says, "Do you feel safe, ho?" And then the the ho goes, "No," and she starts no. laughing. <laughs> it's funny because there's, of course, the dreadlocks guy who's like, "Let me show you how easy it is to get to get chicks to hook up with you." And then there's like a similar guy who tries to do the same thing, and it just doesn't work. Yeah, that's what He's Alex like, was yeah. talking about earlier. Yeah. <laughs> The fuck, they're all making fun of him and shit. Yeah. It's on camera. <laughs> yeah. It's funny, though. I mean, there is all this sort of stuff about, like, the uh, gender roles and, you know, f heteronormative patriarchy and stuff. That is funny. That's on display. Like, that woman is making fun of him for not picking him up, like, well enough. Picking someone up is, like, a deceptive thing. You know what I mean? So she's, like, right. roasting him for not, like, getting one over on him. Hilarious. It it feels like that Borat story where it's like, my sister's in the cage. She says, you cannot get this. You cannot get this. <laughs> <laughs> but it's real. It's crazy. Also, I don't know, did you guys think this? So there's this whole segment that's, I guess, the darkest part of the movie where the, the girls they're interviewing get essentially like 
tricked into a, a bathing suit dancing yeah. contest. And right. the guy who runs it looks just like Fat Mark Cuban. <laughs> yeah, he does. Yeah. And he is like keeping the entire show going by himself because all these girls are like, what is this? He's like, we're spraying you with oil. Get out there. <laughs> yeah, he's doing the strip club voice and stuff like that. It's so fucking cheesy. It just reminded me of going to like open mics for the first time and everyone's jokes are about like that culture because everyone's fucking 20 or whatever and they... So for some people, this is how they got shuffled into society. This is all they know, you know? Right. It sucks. Um, the whole thing culminates with, uh, like, a rape. There's on the on the beach where people are just sort of drunk and flailing around and doing all this stuff. There's, like, a, you know, climax where it's like, holy shit, they just fucked some woman passed out. And there's, like, a gang rape over. And then, you know, there we go to the judge. And the judge is explaining what happened and all this stuff. And, uh, and I think the point they're trying to that's supposed to be the drop at like the end of the you know the the arc of the documentary where you're like wow it was all fun and games when we were making fun of the british guy but you know look there's a reality to this or whatever still think destiny's child is okay yeah it's like (laughs) that there's there's not a stated like thesis there's an implication right and the implication is that it's like oh this is beyonce's fault right we gotta stop her (laughs) We have to stop her, <laughs> but she can't be stopped. <laughs> but I think what's interesting. So the reason I I, I, I immediately remembered kind of wanting to watch the movie Spring Breakers and hearing what it was about, and then I watched it, and I'm glad I did because I think it there's kind of an interesting parallel uh, in it. Which if you've never seen Spring Breakers, it's really good. It's actually kind of one of my favorite of the recent movies I've watched in the last few years. I think because. Um, it starts off and it's about these fucking four girls that they want to go on spring break and it's shot all fun and like in neon, like a Safety Brothers thing, like fucking uh, Uncut Gems or something like that. And, um, you know, they get into this crazy thing where they rob somebody and then they go to jail and then they're broken out by this guy who is played by James Franco, who's a white guy with braids and shit, now that I think of it. Um, He's doing riffraff. Yeah, he's essentially just doing riffraff. He's a white rapper, right? And so the one of the girls, played by Selena Gomez, is named Faith, and she's, like, the whole kind of point of her character, she was, like, a little iffy on going on this spring break trip to begin with, and she's um, kind of trepidatious about it, and she's Christian, right? And she's having a conflict with her faith, right? And she eventually leaves when she notices things start to get, like, scary uh because something's going on with this guy he's like, involved in crime and stuff like that he has guns um and he's hanging around a bunch of seedy black gangster guys shooting pool and stuff like this and then there's a reason i mentioned that they're black because uh, i think this movie is kind of about like race uh ultimately which is because what happens is that the three other girls end up hanging out with the riffraff guy with alien which is the name of the character I'm like an alien yeah I'm from space <laughs> dude he's so fucking good he's the part where he's showing them his apartment is so funny he's just like I got shorts I got so many shorts <laughs> I got- I've never seen this movie not fucked up I've seen it so many times <laughs> it's so funny but uh you know so he's showing them all this opulent shit he has and all these guns and stuff right but then you learn through the movie that so he's from this fucking whatever I'm just border spring break town right and he learned how to be a gangster from 
another guy who's black who's like lives there and I think ostensibly what's kind of going on in this movie, if there is a point to it, is that that black guy like had to become a gangster and like had to learn to sell drugs and run guns and all this stuff. And then he raises up his friend, this young white dude, and the, the white dude, James Franco, it starts to get like big, too big for his britches and they come into this conflict and then suddenly they have a fucking, you know, a gang battle. And then these two fucking chicks get involved in it. And, like, uh, shit goes crazy from there, right? To spoil the end it, of the film. From there, it's pretty much spring break forever. <laughs> well, I guess, actually, this is important. So this, I'm going to spoil the end of the film. But, like, uh, the, two, the two remaining, one of them goes on, the two remaining uh, spring break chicks, they decide to hang out with Alien. And there's been a gun battle and they decide we got to kill your, uh, I forgot the name, his name of his enemy, but his enemy, right? The black guy, the original fucking gangster. And in the battle where they kill the black guy, alien also dies and then they win the day and then they fucking drive off in a Ferrari and they have all this fucking money and shit. Right. But I think it's an interesting commentary on race because I mean, what you have is like, you have this like throughout the movie, these two white chicks that are constantly saying like, what's up bitches? Like that thing that's very common in spring, like in fratty college culture. This like spring break culture and spring break culture. <laughs> and, <laughs> and, uh, you know, if you, I guess I, maybe I'm overthinking this, but I was thinking about this and I was like, yeah, you know, it's funny. Like there's something so trashy about that. And I got to really place it. And it's like, well, look at this story, right? This opulence, macho, like opulence and stuff originates in, from this black character who does it because he has to for like survival. Right. And then like this white dude comes along and he just appropriates it. And then, you know, you have these women who come along who see this happening and they're like, wow, this is horrible. Like this is patriarchy. This is white man. This is colonialism. This is like a fucking thing that, you know, should not be. And they're conflicted about it. And one of them runs away and another one gets shot. And then the two of them that win the movie are the ones that are like, well, instead of correcting this situation, we're going to just become even more of the colonizer. Right. And that's the story of like modern neoliberal, like everything. Right. Is like, yeah, no, the, become a fucking, you know, a gangster, right? And, like, uh, become an even better exploiter. And it's feminist that you are because you're a woman or whatever. Um, <clears throat> and I thought it was kind of interesting because the root, I think what's going on in the original movie in Liberated, a lot of what we're looking at, they're identifying as a... Is a, the problem is just the devil, the perversity. Fucking Satan is in you, and he's made, we gotta change the culture. But we're really seeing the excesses of fucking white patriarchal culture. We're seeing fucking shitty frat kids, you know? Mm -hmm. And that's what's causing all the social ills that they're putting on display that people are getting tricked into watching and going, yeah, that is bad. I agree, you know? Yeah. <sighs> I don't know. Yeah, man. it's also it's also for sure, like, the people who get that into the spring break where they go and are like, my hands are their own agents now, which is like 80% of the people they film in this movie. There's a guy just, like, openly talking about... You know, you give a girl a benzo, you give a girl a, yeah. a drink, and then you go to town. It's like, you just said that into a camera. But uh, <laughs> yeah. th there's just this part of it. It's a crystallized version of these people who truly, and like you've met people like this in your life because they're everywhere. Nothing matters to them. They have nothing to live for, and they just become these monsters. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to like, glean really a 
I mean, of course, the underlying message is that they want people to find God, and it's about, you know, sort of a self, uh, your own consciousness and spirituality, uh, which on its own is fine and good, but, like, the direction they're going with it is obviously fundamentalist Christianity. Uh, but it's, uh, like, it's hard to come up with a solution. I, w- I guess the only one I can really think of is, like, education, right? Sex education needs to be, like, mandatory and consent-based, Uh and you know, for the human trafficking stuff, obviously it's way exaggerated. But uh, in countries like I'm still like traumatized from watching a Dateline documentary when I was like nine about Cambodia and the the brothels there. But so it is like a, a media spectacle on some level. But I don't think the answer to that, it, as it is so far as it does exist, is to go pass out Bibles and in well, South Asia, like that hasn't worked either. An important like, point I want to make about talking about how they use this term human trafficking is that yeah. they use it like superficially. The, mm-hmm. the things that these fundamentalist organizations are actually trying to make happen are not fighting human trafficking. They're just right. using that to sell what they're actually trying to do, which is like abstinence, uh, fucking education, and uh, closing abortion clinics and stuff like that. I mean, yeah, human, human trafficking is real. I think we should fight it. That's all the yeah. more reason to be critical of these people because they're not doing that, and they're right. fucking damaging that fight. How would they do it? How would they do right. it? Right. <laughs> They'd have to do what we were talking about in the beginning, which is go rogue and just start appearing in countries <laughs> arresting people. I think that's the most direct application of this whole stop process. Well, what you'd also have to do is, this is kind of like the police argument. I mean, you would have to improve the quality of life in all these fucking places yeah. to where there isn't a black market where people have to go into sex work to begin with. Exactly. Yeah. You know? And that's why yeah, it's just, it always comes back to the shit that we're talking about. Right. And the disturbing thing to me with with, with that was like they were... Uh, kids like my age and so seeing that as like a nine-year-old was like really fucked up but if you're an adult like who cares you know we need we really do need sex work because not everyone can you know get laid honestly until you know at, at at any point uh people struggle with that and that's a good remedy is being able to hire somebody and you know have have an intimate relationship with them. Yeah, I mean that's that's a pretty hot take, and uh, we are behind the paywall, so that might not be. As... <laughs> I I'm a married man. Uh, I'm but of, uh, sex outside of marriage. Shut up. Uh, <laughs> no, I mean that's a hot take. Like a lot of people will hear that and kind of have a weird thing to say about it. But I uh, honestly like I know a bunch of sex workers, and like a lot of them. It's you do not hear these people's stories. Like a lot of them are like, yeah, it's very fulfilling. Like you know, you right. work with the disabled and shit, and like, yeah. you have these fucking sweet people that like don't you know? Yeah, what the fuck else? Like, like a hand job right. before they die. I mean, there is the argument that like under <clears throat> communism, would people do that? Which like I, we we have no way of knowing. You know, like uh, I guess it's an interesting question, but we shouldn't predicate our, you know, actions and, and like what people are allowed to do now based on totally based on that you know are you addressing the mandatory girlfriend programs to come (laughs) (laughs) we're just gonna nip that in the bud i will say we never did an episode on dispossessed but uh we did read it for this podcast at one point and the whole point of that book is kind of the weird things we take for granted in our culture like alcoholism like people raping each other uh it's argued in the book is systemic and comes from the fact that we all are alienated people who don't know how to live in a community and it's addressed 
buy a more successful version of a, a society where people do know how to live together. And I think this is probably the best, most clear example of that point. Is yeah. the spring break like rape fest? Yeah, totally. Right. Yeah. Right. You don't need to yeah, you don't need to grope people. Well, no one should do that anyway, but there's if if you're able to hire a sex worker, there's not that like pressure about being ex- extremely aggressive, you know, with with women. For a guy. That's 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 my take. <laughs> All right. Well, anyway, you got to see the movie is like an alien. <laughs> um, <laughs> live forever. yeah i don't know so i guess uh that's probably the end of my little spiel about those two things uh fucking spring breakers is an awesome movie liberated the new sexual revolution is a really stupid one um but to bring this all back to i guess the beginning and why we're talking about this to begin with you know the the question here is how do we build a healthier society that doesn't cause fucking alienated guys to go on, you know, weird, uptight, repressed sex work targeted mass shooter sprees, right? Um, and I wish there was another one after that before we recorded, too. Right. So there's, there's a lot of them. It's a problem. Yeah. And I mean, like, I, you know, I don't know. I, I do really believe a lot in the, the dispossessed thing and that a lot of the stuff is coming from the, you know, fucking ground, the groundwork of society and stuff like that. But um, there's also definitely room for a cultural kind of component to this. And. Uh, you know, that's, I think that's why so many people got suckered into watching this documentary is because it's not wrong that there is a cultural, like fucking, you know, uh, responsibility that we have to like building a better community with each other. Mm-hmm. It's just that what these people are proposing to do is not good. It's not a good solution to that or whatever, but like, yeah, no, I think like, uh, you know, it's just, we still live in a very, in a lot of parts of the world in a lot of communities deeply unenlightened in terms of like sex and sexuality you know yeah. we still live in a world like that and with these evangelicals it's like clearly just boiling over constantly and stuff like that and I guess being somebody who's like from you know the south from Texas and shit and having been around stuff like this and seen it affect people around me I, I am like a you know, I, I'm a person who really thinks that, like, yeah, you got to talk about this stuff out loud and, like, you know, be healthy and promote, like, um, like a culture where people, people like, young kids growing up are just more, like, comfortable with themselves and aren't, like, mm-hmm. completely, like, you know, conflicted and, like, uh, you know, just horrible, like, feeling horrible inside and stuff like that. I was just listening to, or I was just watching the new ContraPoints or the newest one where she talks about J.K. Rowling and she's talking about, like, you know, being a trans person growing up with, like, the only, uh, you know, cultural footnotes that you had as a trans person if you were of a certain age were, like, Psycho and Silence of the Lambs and stuff like that. And that's why it was so hard for so many trans people to come out because there is a cultural component to, you know sexuality in a lot of ways that tells people like you're bad and you're horrible and just don't keep it bottled up inside and that fucking causes all sorts of terrible shit to happen and now we have a slightly better world for trans people and you have all these younger trans kids that are like zoomers that don't even you know the way she jokes about it in the videos they don't even hate themselves you know and like 
that's a fuck. I mean, she's joking. That's a that's a good thing, you know. Yeah. And it's just like uh, I guess I, the point I'm getting to is like a better world is possible, <laughs> you know. Right. Don't you don't have to hide in the in the Middle Ages with all this like archaic Christian stuff. Right. We do not endorse the hunter theory of history. <laughs> <laughs> the greatest hunter in history. <laughs> yeah, and I think, again, so much of this can be remedied, not entirely, but I think a lot of it could be remedied by sex education at, in, like, junior high if kids get a comprehensive, you know, narrative about gender, about consent, about birth control and all this stuff, then uh, we'd have a better grasp on, on these problems. Yeah. Yeah. I also do think that, like, in the documentary of them antagonizing, like, Cardi B and stuff like that, directly, like, the thing that they're pissed off about is that this stuff does empower young women's, like, you know, to be okay with their sexuality in ways that is not okay with them. They want women to be property and be ashamed of it and, you know, Mm -hmm. belong to a man and all this stuff. And, like, it's fucking cool. I think it's cool. I think it's cool. I think what Cardi B does is good. She's hot. I love her huge ass. Just she's an <laughs> asset to the Bernie campaign. Yeah, and she's smart. She's hot and smart and should run for office. Bernie has said she should run for office. The ideal or Cody. I love how he says Cody. <laughs> she's the one who shows up at the party, Cody. His take on, not to go off on a whole huge tangent here, but his take on sexuality is actually really interesting because he was <laughs> oh at the like beginning of the sexual yeah, revolution. <laughs> like one of his first political sort of statements was a letter to like the student paper at the University of Chicago where he was saying like, we should do away with these curfews. You know, like it's it's normal for kids for not kids, but uh, college students to like explore their each other and be intimate and stuff. And now uh, he's talking about the the effect of COVID on young people dating and how that has a de- deterious effect. So I think he's been sort of ahead of his time on that. Damn, dude, he he does not miss. <laughs> Except on Sesta Foster. Yeah, he missed Sesta on that. Foster. That was pretty yeah. true. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, that's the episode, everybody. Uh, it's the Patreon episode, so I don't know if we have plugs. Um, hey, guys. Thank you for listening to the show. Uh, our merch store is open. Oh, tell people to listen to the Patreon, and if they don't sign up for the Patreon, they are supporting human trafficking. They're, they're, they're pedophiles. That's a fact. Human traffickers, yeah. and yeah. we're going to hunt them. We're going to go country to country and hunt them. <laughs> we're going to hunt them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> with an ex DHS agent. <laughs> All right. Uh, I think that's it, right? Spring break forever. It's, 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 it's spring break. It's finished.